sometimes when you hear a song, it takes you back. It takes you back to a moment in time. It happens to me a lot with songs that meant a lot to me when I was a kid. I can remember a time when uh, I, I was probably 10 or 11 years old. I wanted to be a comic strip artist. I, I tried to draw comics. I, I wasn't very good at it, but I read a lot of comics, and I listened to a lot of rock and roll, Rolling Stones, Beatles, Yardbirds, uh, Raiders, while I was drawing. And there are times, to even today, you know, 50-plus years later, and I'll hear a song from that era, and, I'll, and I'll, it'll take me back for a second. I'll remember that time when I used to sit there and draw comic books. There, shortly after that, I actually took a, uh, a a correspondence course back in the days before the Internet, and you had to do everything by mail uh, on cartooning, and I didn't do very well. I was not a good artist, but it was a lot of fun. And, and, the, and the guy that taught me uh, online, I probably paid, I don't know, 15 or 20 bucks for something like that. Uh, it wasn't online. I, what do you mean online? Uh, what, the guy that taught me through the mail, um, you know, was very nice about the whole thing. Uh, he encouraged me. He kind of scolded me a couple times when I was late getting a lesson to him. But, uh, you know, it was always fun. This is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, Monday Morning Coffee. I'm the owner of Trade Show Guy Exhibits in Salem, Oregon. Uh, we work with exhibitors who are looking to upgrade their exhibits and invest in a much nicer look. And it happens a lot, as you might imagine. And then we work with those people that have upgraded to keep those booths refreshed. Uh, often, you know, that means when they're moving out of banner stands and, and, and pop-ups and things like that, they want a, a nicer look. It, it does mean a bigger investment. And, you know, the thing is, it means they're moving out of their comfort zone because they got to ship things in uh, big crates and they got to have someone hired to come set it up. And since they haven't done that, we end up navigating that road for them. So that's what we do. So, uh, and because I spent so many years doing radio, uh, I do a weekly podcast and that's what you're watching to or listening to. And thanks for doing that. If you like it, let people know and uh, put in a good word at the site where you found this whether it's a SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, which I think is where it's listed, as well as uh, tradeshowguyblog.com. Memory is indeed a funny thing, uh, and so is learning. Uh, how do we remember some things and not others? I have three brothers, and there have been times when we've gotten together at reunions and stuff and, and sit there, we've reminisced about our childhood, and it's happened a number of times that one brother will remember something, hey, remember when we did this and this and this, and I'll go, no, I don't remember that. And then I'll go, how about the time we did that and that and that? And they go, wow, I don't really remember that. It's funny, the things we remember and the things we don't. Um, so I think it's the memory is funny how it's, uh, it works. Uh, and so is learning. You know, how do we learn? How do we retain? How do we comprehend all the things we're supposed to learn? Today's guest on this podcast slash vlog uh, should shed some light on that. Howard Berg of Berg Learning got a great story to tell. I'll let him tell it and uh, he'll pass on some great tips on how to learn and how to read very, very fast. And, and best of all, how to remember what you learned. A fun conversation. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Here's how that went. Welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I want to welcome Howard Berg, known as the world's fastest reader. Howard, it's a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. We'll have some fun. Well, I'm sure we will. Uh, Howard, boy, you know, the world's fastest reader. That's quite a claim. Tell me how you got that and, and what's the story behind that? The short answer is I read faster than everyone else, but that's probably not the one you were looking for. Uh, I got in the Guinness record book in 1990 for reading 80 pages a minute. And in all that time, no one's ever replaced my reading number. That's 
very impressive. Uh, so there's a story behind that. How did you get to that point, I'm sure? I was majoring in, well, I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn. It was very violent, lots of gangs. I've been mugged over a hundred times, just normal, getting a knife to your throat, being hey. hit with a bat. That's a normal day in where I grew up. And I found one safe place, the library. Gang kids would rather be dead than caught in the library. So I read a lot because it was safe. It was a place <laughs> no, no one would mug you in the library. And I got very good at it. And we went to college at 17 and majored in biology. In my junior year, the second half, I got interested in the brain. How does it work? So I said, I want to do two majors in bio and psych. And I said, you can't. You're a junior. If one year left, you haven't done any courses in psych. They said, you have to do the whole four-year program in one year and finish bio. And that would take six science courses with two four-hour labs. And I was working 18 hours a week on the side. And I said, you know what? They don't teach you how to learn in school. They tell you what to learn, what to learn, what happened, you know. But you hear a song once and you remember it your whole life. And then you read a Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know any habits the next day. There has to be a way to learn things the way you learn songs. And it was. I got up to 80 pages a minute. I finished the program in one year. I took the graduate recce exam in biology and using what I developed in three nights, I read 48 books like biochemistry, genetics, cell physiology, and I got three questions wrong. So I was in the 99th percentile. And someone says, do you remember anything? Well, 99th percentile in a GRE, probably did. And it was like, is it me? Or did I find a way to learn? Yeah, I'm curious how you, I mean, obviously that's not, most people don't do that. So how, when did you figure out that, that what you were doing was, was different than the way most people approached it? Well, most people don't get 800 on the GRE. And then, <laughs> I, and then I taught it to a group of kids, 11 to 15. And we gave them a sophomore college course, 11, 30 chapter book in lifelong developmental psych. They read it in one week and they took the CLAP, which is another test you can get credit for. And 18 Kids, 15 of them passed the test in one week. So now I got something. Then we did a double-blind study using the Nelson-Denny. It's a standardized test for speed and comprehension with 100 random people. And we did two groups, an A and B and a B and A, to make sure the second test didn't artificially make them look good. And everyone doubled or quadrupled in four hours with excellent comprehension, both groups. And that said, hey, you found a solution to the learning information overload in school and work and now you have a responsibility to get it into people's hands to help help them make more money at work and make sure that kids finish their education and get good jobs well i think that you, you hit on a, a great point there is that we are taught a lot of stuff but we never are taught really how to learn and and i think over the years we uh, as adults even we try and struggle with it I, i've always uh, considered myself uh, someone that likes to learn and likes to learn a lot of different things but you know sometimes the question comes up, how do you learn better? How do you learn more? How do you learn uh, more deeper? And, and I'm sure, so uh, fast forward to what you're doing now. Um, how does that all play into what you're, you're doing these days, Howard? I just trained the uh, Royal Thai Army on speed learning, and I trained the U.S. Special Forces at Fort Bragg. And uh, it was exciting. It was fun. First, going to Bangkok's an adventure. I mean, <laughs> it's the 23-hour flight. You got to go on two different planes. It's like the others from where I live, it's a 12 hour time difference. So it's literally the other side of the earth. So that was kind of an experience. And uh, I really enjoyed meeting the young people in special forces. I wasn't sure what to expect. And they were polite. They were 
they could kill you with their pinky, but they were very disciplined and well-mannered. Although they did have a weird sense of humor. They told me a joke. I could share it if you'd like. If it's if it's sure, why not? <laughs> we go to exotic countries. We meet interesting people, and then we kill them. Yeah. So I said, yeah. well, my job is that you don't have to kill them. I says, I want to teach them how to learn so they get good jobs, have a home, have a family, and don't want to blow themselves up. And now you don't get shot at, and they don't have to be killed. This is everyone wins. They're doing something useful because they have something to live for, and your job's made easier. And they said, that's a good thing. They, that was what made me feel good. That was really, believe it or not, their primary mission is to try to not have to hurt anyone. I'm sure, yeah, exactly. When I studied martial arts, the, the first thing my teacher told me was, uh, don't get into a confrontation, turn and, and walk the other way, and if you can't do that, run. But know how to defend yourself if you have to. That's kind of the theory behind it. It's probably similar, yeah. It was like try to pacify a, a place that's hostile and create allies and make friends and not have to do anything that you'd rather not do. But... If it comes down or someone's going to have to get hurt, it's going to be them and not right. you. And that made me feel a lot better about what they were doing. They were really, really nice people. And I'm helping young people get one of my students passed the bar at 19 in California. Another was a C student at 11, an English professor at 22. Hmm. Another did four-year college in six months and then became a missionary. Um, it goes on and on. I don't want to just talk about me. I'm hoping we don't have a lot of time. I'd like to spend it on how do you do it? So people. Well, so, so, yeah, people that's. I mean, it. to me, reading is is you, you can you can scan and, and and take in a lot of words, but do you comprehend? So I've, obviously, the first question is how do you read faster? What's the comprehension? And then you know, time goes by. How do you remember that stuff? So let's break it down. You're completely right. Speed reading, as it was taught in the past, did not work. It was skimming. And it was great for skimming, but when you had to actually learn a biology book or a medical book or a spreadsheet, you didn't learn anything. In fact, I was with Dick Cavett 26 years ago when MSNBC launched. He said he interviewed Woody Allen, who took Evelyn Woods, read War and Peace in five minutes. Said, That's amazing. What do you remember? And Woody said, it's about the Russian Revolution. That was what he got out of it. And that was speed reading. Well, the guy who owned Evelyn Woods paid me to train his son to speed read. I fixed the problem of learning. And I'm going to share with our listeners. Yes, please. First, I'll show you the speed up. It's very simple. Pick a book, preferably nonfiction, and read for one minute a book that you're familiar with. So the only reason you're confused is you're too fast, not because the book's too hard. And time yourself. And when you're done... Put a little line in the margin when you finish. Say, that's how far I read now. <clears throat> now the secret. Go to the next chapter. Take your hand. Go one line at a time with your eye following your hand as fast as you could comprehend. So, so you're moving, moving your hand physically over the page. Okay. One line at a time. And as long as you know what you're reading, go quicker till you don't. So you say, well, that's where it got too fast. And speed, slow down just enough so the comprehension comes back. And at that fastest possible comprehension rate, five minutes, move your hand across the page, second chapter. Go back to the first chapter after the five minutes. Time yourself for a minute like you did the first time. And this time, use your hand. And you're going to go about 20 to 40% further. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how most programs speed them up, and that's why it doesn't work because speed by itself is not what people want. I don't even like to read. I like to learn. Right. I like to use the, I'll give you a quick story. I, I was speaking on cruise ships, and my wife wanted to go to Hawaii. So I said, oh, great, they have a cruise. So I called up said, we don't want speed reading. I said, oh, what do you want? I said, we want video, photography, and, 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 and Photoshop. So my, I know I learn fast. And I said, I, I teach that. I didn't even know what Photoshop was. I didn't have it. I didn't even own Photoshop. I didn't know in college it takes four years. I had 10 days. So the next day, I bought 10 books on Photoshop. I read it in three hours, and I learned Photoshop. The next day, I bought 10 books on photography. I read it in three hours. I learned photography. Next day, I bought 10 books on video. I read it in three hours. Now I go to the cruise. I'm like, please, let them be 100 years old and not know what a camera is. That was my perfect audience, right? The first man walks in. He's a professional photographer, 38 years, wants me to teach him how to take pictures. The second guy comes in. He's doing Photoshop for five years. He wants me to teach him Photoshop. And my wife's in the front row crying. Because they said if I didn't do it, they'd throw us off the boat. Not in the water, but, you know, when you got to shore. And then we saw someone get thrown off. They actually did do that. So I taught them video, photography, and Photoshop for a week. At the end of the week, they said, how many years did you study to learn that? That's what I love. I can learn something I can use in three hours' time. I don't care. Reading's a tool. It's like a screwdriver or a saw. Exactly. I like what I can do with it. I don't like the reading part. I like the skills I get. So I showed you to read faster, and you asked a very good question. How do you comprehend better? And I'm going to show you the, one of the secrets I used that no one's used before. I was more interested in how the brain works and how it makes sense. And the secret, it's a one word, schema. And rather than tell you what it is, I'll show you how it works so you can see how important it is. I'm going to give you a passage. No schema, and you'll see it doesn't make any sense. Then I'll give it to you a second time with a title that has schema. One word, just one word, and instantly it all makes sense just from the one word. That's what schema does. It makes sense. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you can always go someplace else if it's necessary. We're overdoing it. This could be a major mistake and cost you quite a bit of money. Any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, No. No, no one does. Now I'm going to say it again, but one more different. And watch how instantly all of it makes sense. Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you can do it at home. But you can always go someplace else. It's necessary. We're overdoing it. This is a mistake and cost you quite a bit of money. Are you confused now? No, you're talking about laundry, right? That schema. All right. What I'm teaching people is... Not just to go quicker, but where the psychological clues are that make the brain make sense out of the material. That's how I read genetics and biochemistry. Uh, I had an idea what I was looking at and where it was and how to use these clues to make sense out of very technical material. And that's what these children did that passed the test. So by combining the psychology of the brain and how it works with information, to process symbols into meaningful data and doing it quicker, not just reading faster, your understanding goes up. 
And I, I, I'll, if you'd like, I'll show you how to remember. And if we have time, there's only five things you need to learn. I'll tell you what they are. I think well. that'd be great because yeah, I think the next thing is, you know, how do you, how does that lock into your brain so that a few months down the line, someone asks you about something, you go, I remember that instead of having it fall out of your brain when you walk out of the room. Yeah. How many people have told me that when they got home, they can remember the answer to the question the client asked them. They didn't remember it during the meeting or on the exam. It happens all the time. It does, so, yeah. I'm going to give you 10 things to remember. I won't tell you how. You won't be able to. I'll tell you how, and you'll be able to in three minutes. And it's not just an exercise. It's a tool that you and our listeners can use for the rest of their life and their businesses and their kids at work. And here's a trick you need to know. You only learn 10% of what you read. That's a fact. You remember 90% of what you say and do. So please say and do this with me and you'll really get more out of it. So here are 10 things you want to remember. Pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, and bowling pins. And I'm willing to bet you don't know the whole list backwards and forwards. I, I don't. No, pole, bicycle, yeah, right. In three minutes, you not only know everything, but perfectly backwards and forwards, and then I'll show you how it's useful in your business. How's that? I don't know if I'm awake yet enough to do this, but we can try it, Howard. I'm game. <laughs> I do this with three-year-olds, literally three-year-olds. It's that simple. My point is you want to have solutions that are easier than the problem. Yeah. Are you creating new problems, which often is the case. You right. get a solution, it's harder to do than the thing you were trying to fix in the first place. The Greeks discovered thousands of years ago a shortcut. If you take a list you know, and you take the list you want to know, and you link them together, it takes less time. I'm going to bet, Tim, you can count to 10. I can count to 10. I bet you can. And I bet everyone listening can too. I bet they can too. That's your list, 1 to 10. The number one, it looks like a pole, a big, tall one, or a lamp pole, or a flag pole. It looks like a one, right? One pole. That's it. One pole. That's what I want. You, you jumped ahead. I'm glad. <laughs> Two. How many shoes do you usually wear? Mostly two. So two is? Two shoes. One. Pole. Perfect. Three. Three. Tricycle. How many wheels on a tricycle? Usually three. That's, yeah. That's why they call it a tricycle. <laughs> a bicycle has two. So three is a? Tricycle. Two is a? Po uh, shoes. And one is? The pole. Perfect. See how easy this is? This is great. Four. Car. Four. How many tires are on a car? Four. What's four? Uh, four is car. Two, going to two. Two is shoes. One. Pole. Three. Tricycle. Getting smarter. <laughs> five is a glove. How many, five is a glove. How many fingers are in a glove? There are five fingers in my glove, so yeah. Five is? Five is a glove. Three is? Three is a tricycle. One. One is a pole. Went backwards. Six Dang. gun. They love them in Texas. I live in Texas. Six I don't gun, have right. a gun, but they do. Six gun. What's six? Like a cowboy. Six. Uh, six gun, yeah. Four. Four is a car. Two. Two is a uh, shoes. Seven is lucky in dice, at least when you throw it the first time. Seven is dice, okay. Five was a... I mean, Five was a glove. Three. Three was a tricycle. One. One was a pole. Right. Rhymes work. Say this with me. Eight, skate. Eight, skate. What's eight? Skate. Six. Why do they live in Texas? Six gun. Four. Four is a car. Two. Two is uh, a... 
picture, picture, picture. Uh, see, now you got me. Uh, shoes. There you go. That's okay. That's how the brain learns. Nine. How many lives does a cat have? Cat has nine lives. What's nine? Uh, a cat. Seven is lucky in? In dice. Five. Five is a glove. Three. Three is a tricycle. One. One is a pole. Two yes, is shoes. <laughs> Two is shoes. Ten bowling pins in an alley, right? Ten bowling pins in an alley, yep. What's ten? Uh, bowling pins. What's one? One's a pole. Two. Two is shoes. Three. Three is tricycle. Four. Four is a car. Five. Five is a glove. Six. Six is a six gun. Seven, Seven is dice. Eight. Eight is a uh, skate. Nine. Nine is, I was going to say wine because that rhymes. <laughs> what is nine lives? Cat. And ten. Uh, we only mentioned that once. Bowling pins. pins. Bowling pins. There you and go. That's how to yeah. use it. This is a tool. This is a great tool. Wow, that's great. In business. Let's say you're in a hotel and you don't know your room. It's 314. It's also the value of pi in geometry. Yep. Numbers are tricky. Here's how yeah. you learn numbers in business and in school. Three is a tricycle, one is a pole, four is a car, right? Right. Tricycle hits a pole on a car. See it in your mind. A tricycle, tricycle hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? Uh, three. On a, it's a pole. One. And then the car is four, yeah. It's learned your hotel number. Yep, exactly. And you but you're, you're, you're making five. associations that you wouldn't normally make. That sounds like what you're, you're teaching, yeah. Well, there's a lot of tools and different tools work for different people in different subjects. What you use to learn a language may be what someone else uses to learn a math book, but it doesn't work for you in the math book. Right. You use it in the math book, someone else uses it in a history book or a spreadsheet. So I give people a tool chest. I say they all work, but everyone's different. I don't want one size fits all because it doesn't work. We're all different. Agreed. You're very good at something that I'm not good at, and you need an easier tool. You don't need the push push the limit because it's something you're very good at and I'm not. So we have a bunch of tools that work and we find which one works for you and that's the right one for you, nobody else. This is fascinating, Howard. So if I can, I, I play guitar a lot and if I get a chord progression going, maybe I can tie stuff into a, a song or something. Yes, That'd you be, can. Yeah. And I promised I'd tell people the five things they could learn. This is the yes. last thing we'll cover. Okay. People often say, I've got so much in my book, I don't even know what I'm looking for. It's overwhelming. Have you ever had that experience? Yes, indeed. It's common. What if I said you only have to learn five things, and if you learn just those things, you'll master any topic? Makes sense. Would you like to know what they are? Let's know what the five are. Let's, I'll make a list. <laughs> Please. One is vocabulary. 80, 85% of any subject is the words. And what words? The ones that don't look the same. The writer actually says, look at this. It's different. It's bolded. It's italic. It's underlined. It's in color. I put it in a box. Right. They stand apart because they want you to pay attention. So words and meanings. Two, names and accomplishments. Why are you in my book? What did you do? Third, numbers, dates, statistics. And that's big in business. And any formula, how do you use it? So any number. Four, and most nonfiction, there's sections, there's different parts to the text. They break it up. They chunk it. What are the five ideas in each section you need to know? Five ideas. And if there's less than five, that's fine. But 
Five is what you look for. Okay. And last, questions and answers. Now, in textbooks, they're usually at the end of a chapter. Right. In fiction, they often ask questions. So any question, whether it's at the end or in the text, what are the questions and answers? So think about it, if you know every word and what it means, every name and what they did, every number and statistic and how it's used, the five main ideas and the answers to every question. That's what these kids did to do the college course in one week. And they passed it in one week and they were 11 years old. And it was a sophomore course. This is powerful in business. I just want to tell people we have a website, Berg Learning. Dot com. That's B-E-R-G learning.com. And we have a special coupon, Trade Show 10, which is based on this podcast. We'll give you 10% off. few things. One, we offer a total satisfaction guarantee. Two, if you need help, you contact the customer support. They can't help you. I'll help you. I, I'm a Rotarian. And one of the things I believe in is you're supposed to do what you say. If I can't get you to learn what you paid for, I'll give you your money back because you didn't get what you paid for. I think that's the right way a business should run. You I think you're right, Howard. Yep. But they deserve it. You don't charge them because they didn't get it. So I will help you learn more for your business, read faster, comprehend better, learn the rules, the laws, the regulations, the technology, the news that affects you, the changes in your physical trade, business skills, and your kids will get through school and not live with you till they're 40. <laughs> it's all important stuff, right? That's critical stuff. Howard, it's great to have you on the, the show. Uh, I think we just got started. I'd love to have you back here. And I'd like that. Once that'd be kind of fun. We could cover some different aspects of what you do with training and business, but uh, let's send folks to berglearning.com. I'll make sure there are links. And then, of course, I mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the code, the trade show 10. Is that a numeral 10? It's number 10, trade show. Trade show 10. That would give you a a slight discount. 10% off. 10% off. 10% off. And I will Uh, make sure you learn it. And if if you don't learn it, you contact me. I'll make sure you learn it because (laughs) I believe that it's real. I've had kids that are 11 doing it. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure you can do it, yeah. You can do it. I had an 84-year-old read three books in three hours, and I'm sure most of our listeners aren't over 84. Yep. Howard, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate the chance to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Howard Berg for spending time today on the show. You can check the show notes for further information and check out berglearning.com and use the code TRADESHOW10 to get your discount if that's something you're interested in. It's a lot of good stuff there. This week's trade show tip is from my book, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. It's a short list called Seven Ways to Upgrade Your Trade Show Exhibit. Seven short ways? What did I say? So short list called seven easy ways to upgrade your trade show exhibit. I think that's what I said. So, you know, you want to get the most money out of your booth, but sometimes you need a little more than what you currently have, but you don't want to spend a lot of money. So here's some things. Uh, number one, change the graphics. Easy enough to do. Uh, products and services change. So you need to show what's new by just swapping out a graphic or two. Very, very common. Add elements. You can add things like uh, iPad kiosks and charging tables uh, or interactive elements that were you know previously not there. Uh, the challenge, especially in smaller booths, is to keep from adding items that clutter the booth, uh, but don't add to your overall effectiveness. So you got to be careful about if it's a small 10 by 10 or 10 by 20, what can you add? But one or two pieces might do the, the thing. You can rent something, often adding a really nice piece of furniture that you can rent, or even a charging table, for instance, can really help the look and function of your booth. Very important. Add space if you've been exhibiting in a 10 by 20, you know, see if you can upgrade to a 10 by 30. 
gives you an extra 100 square feet. You can add a couple of items in there or just spread out a little bit so that uh, you may take the same items, but you're adding more space. Uh, number four, if you're in an island booth, you might consider hanging a sign. Lots of the big booths have signs. You can see them across the exhibit hall and go, oh, that's where I need to go. I need to go right over there because they're seeing the sign. So if you haven't done that and you've got an island booth, hang a sign. Uh, custom flooring. We've worked with a number of clients that do custom flooring and it's getting more and more popular. You, you, you uh, have a graphics team create a graphic that's specific to your product or business and print it and put it on the floor so people see it below their feet. And then number seven, hire a pro. Even in a small booth, 10 by 10, 10 by 20, a professional presenter can bring people in regularly, have them do a presentation, you know, two or three, four times an hour. And then once they're there, you have your staff uh, make sure that they capture information from those that are there and interested in what uh, the presenter is is talking about. And a good presenter will work, work close with you and, and get a great presentation and bring in more leads. Really, that's probably one of the best things you can do. All right, so that's my short list. Uh, seven easy ways to um, upgrade your trade show exhibits without adding a whole lot or getting a new booth. That's it for this week. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I have one more. That's this week's one good thing. I was thinking about this. Uh, it's, you know, with the heat wave going on across America, lots of people uh, just hot, spending time outside. And I thought, you know, summertime is great to get outside, take hikes, ride your bike and stuff. But the other thing that I really enjoy are going to art fairs and county fairs and things like that. There's a, there's a, a lot of fun that goes on there. Get together with friends. Uh, listen to some live music, you know, drink a beer, have a sandwich, uh, have 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 some fair food. Uh, you don't do it very often, so do something like that. So outdoors and going to the fairs, you should go to a couple. There's, boy, there's a lot around here in Salem. Just every weekend there's something going on. There's many things going on. In fact, I'm going to a fair today. I'm recording this, and I'm heading to a fair. That's probably why I thought of it. This is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and this is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Thanks so much for watching and for listening and tell a friend, and uh, catch you next week.